Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're going to change topics now and talk about something called rare diseases. In fact, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar this past week had a roundtable discussion with several experts about rare diseases and the need for more funding to look into research to get a better handle on that. So here's just an excerpt of what Senator Klobuchar had to say during that roundtable advocate and Minnesotan living with a rare disease, which is classical Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, also known as CEDS. And she's a font of information about that, but also an incredible person in her own right, having run marathons and the like, all knowing that she had this disease while she was doing it. Uh, We're also joined by Dr. Lazaridis, Uh, who is the Carlson and Nelson Endowed Executive Director of the Center for Individualized Medicine at Mayo Clinic. And when I talked about the personal medicine and being able to identify people's genetic makeups, that's what this is, the Center for Individualized Medicine, because not um, everyone reacts the same to different medications, and also it allows them to find out what's wrong with people who sometimes the diagnoses have defied doctor after doctor after doctor for years. Again, that's Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar at a roundtable discussion recently talking about rare diseases. And the person she was speaking of is a young woman, uh, an amazing young woman, Abby Hauser. And Abby was part of that roundtable discussion where she talked about her own condition and the need for more money for research. And so we have invited Abby to the program and she is graciously not only joining us, but she's joining us in studio. Her father is a somewhat famous political reporter for Channel 5 television, but we he's here too. But this is really Abby's moment. So Tom can pop in if he feels like it. Abby, thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Well, how was it that that roundtable? Was that an interesting event to be a part of? Yeah, it was really exciting. I had just met with Senator Klobuchar in D.C. like three days prior. I had just gotten back from our rare disease week, and I'd gotten an email from her staffer right as I was flying out and was like, would you join us for this press conference? And I was just honored to be selected and chosen and for her to just continue including my voice in everything that she's doing. Well, and what a voice you have. I just One thing that jumped out for me personally is as you described uh, your rare disease. Can you tell us what it is and use the description of the th- the three little pigs? <laughs> so would you mind doing that for us? 
Yes. So I have what's called classical Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a big mouthful. But it's basically a genetic condition that affects the collagen gene responsible for something called type 5 collagen in your body is the specific type of EDS that I have. And I always liken it to this analogy from the three little pigs where my body is made out of straw, but everyone else's is made out of brick. We might look the same on the outside, but the way that we respond to external conditions is not the same. Whereas I have dislocated my knee, rolling over in bed, um, getting my hair cut. I've fractured bones just from the force of gravity and dislocated my shoulder holding the door open for someone. Just typical external conditions that are not very impactful for anybody else's body. But for mine, where the collagen is just weakened and the structure is just not as strong, they can cause a lot more damage than it might seem on the outside where I might look the same as anybody else. So Amy Klobuchar mentioned you'd run a marathon, and I saw it as well with your dad. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty brave. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because speaking of potentially getting hurt, and you, you didn't get hurt. You ran it with your dad, who's a marathonaholic. Um, <laughs> I mean, how? what pushes you? I... Honestly, the marathon came out of a doctor telling me that I couldn't, <laughs> which I grew up running cross country and the, our races were 4K, which is two and a half miles. I was like, that's plenty. I don't need to go further. Felt no desire to go further than the 10K. Then I kind of did some half marathons for charity, a different rare disease charity. And then I had some knee surgeries and a doctor was like, you'll get back to your same running pace and distance that you were before. And then I just wasn't getting there. And all of a sudden she was like, oh, you might actually only run more than like no more than like two miles. So it kind of backpedaled what we had agreed on. And that didn't sit right with me. So <laughs> then all of a sudden my brain was like, well, I'm going to run a marathon. <laughs> so I, I eventually did it. You did. It's brilliant. Let's talk about Rare Disease Week in Washington, D.C. What was that like? Um, and did you make progress? Do you think every time you talk about it, we make progress? Kind of talk about that week. It was an incredible week. So Rare Disease Week on Capitol Hill is hosted by a rare disease nonprofit called the Every Life Foundation for Rare Diseases. And I'm actually on their board of directors. I was just named um, to their board last year. And they do what we consider uh, policy, like public mm -hmm. policy and health policy work. But our efforts are on training advocates to speak their stories and connect it to policy better. Mm -hmm. We never speak for advocates. We just train them to be the best that they can be and find places that their stories can make change. So we do the policy work and then we set up all these meetings. We had um, people from all 50 states in the Cherokee Nation there. We had over 300 meetings with lawmakers um, from all, again, all 50 states. And we have some policy priorities that we discuss, different bills, different things that are kind of in motion. But advocates are also able to speak about whatever is important to them or their specific rare disease um, charity or organization or just group or anything like that. And we get together and I think there was over 500 of us wow. in D.C. And it's like a giant family reunion at that point. But I had so much fun. We have a specific young adult group for advocates that are 16 to 30. And how old are you? I'm tw just turned 28 this week. 28. OK, congratulations. Something else I remember from the press conference from the roundtable is the number of people in the United States with a rare disease and the number of research and dollars and 
treatments available. Talk about that discrepancy from how many have it to the work that's being done to find a cure or more treatment. Yeah, so our research just has kind of come out and retabulated this number that there are over 10,000 rare diseases that exist. We used to operate on the number of 7,000. Now we're looking towards 10,000. And that doesn't mean 10,000 people. It means 10,000 specific diseases. But that could mean 100,000 people. Yes. So I believe the estimation that we work with is about 30 million Americans. Which is a lot. It is definitely a lot of people. So definitely needs some attention. Yes. We had this burden study that we call um, that was done and only surveyed like 300 rare diseases. And the economic impact of rare disease in the United States in just one year was almost a trillion dollars. Wow. And how? explain that a little more. What's the, what's the cost? So the cost, this study, I, I love this study, but we were able to capture direct and indirect costs. So direct costs are like health insurance, medical bills, anything that you might think of. And then we got indirect costs through uh, days of missed work, mm-hmm. time that parents have to take off of work, um, different things that are just not captured in any other tangible way. They were able to quantify and put this out in the Every Life Foundation is really using this as a tool to drive the discussion that the lack of rare disease treatments, because only 5% of rare diseases have an approved treatment. Why do you think that is? That's a lot of people. Do people just, I mean, how, what, what makes something sexy to read, to do research (laughs) and find, I mean, I actually do some work with the Ataxia Foundation and um, Andrew Rosen is the executive director. Yeah. Yeah, And so that's one that's sort of Peculiar. I mean, it's not well known, and they say it's not an Italian taxi cab. I ATAC. <laughs> but I wonder what the reason is for that discrepancy, for that small amount. That's always hard. I think a lot of it honestly comes down to money. Is It's what treatments are going to be viable, what treatments are going to be profitable for pharmaceutical companies to invest in, and things like that. And a lot of these rare diseases, we just don't even know the basic disease mechanisms. We're still in the infancy of learning about them. So getting treatments across the line is going to take even further because we're still figuring out even what these diagnoses are. And then if you have a small population, we have some diseases called ultra-rare diseases that affect sometimes 30 people, 10 people, 5 people. Those are very hard to get treatments for because that's just such a small population. How about your situation? Are there treatments for what you have? There's no treatments. There are 13 types of EDS and none of them have an FDA-approved treatment. Really? So you just have to have it and not do anything, can't take aspirin or? we. There's some like symptom management that you can do, but the symptom management that we end up using is just what you would do for anyone else with an injury. And it's not tailored to like my specific genetic makeup or anything. I always say it's like we're just cobbling it together and hoping for the best. We are talking to Abby Hauser. She is 29. She has a rare disease and she is an advocate for herself and for others. When did you find out you had it? I was diagnosed in, I believe, 2002, 2003, which I would have been about six or seven. Around okay. There. And obviously your parents noticed something <laughs> was not the same as other kids because don't you guys have a bunch of kids in your family? There are. There's, <laughs> there are four of us, yes. Um, I think I the first like major thing that started happening is I started dislocating my knee. Oh, doing really mundane things. I was playing in my bed the first time that it happened and had rolled over. Um, the next time I was coloring on the floor. And the time after that, I was getting my hair cut. Um, things that should not cause injuries in children that kind of raised a lot of red flags uh, to my pediatrician and my parents. 
that luckily we had good care here that led us very quickly towards a diagnosis within like a year and a half. Okay. I think the average wait for a rare disease diagnosis is upwards of six or seven years. I was going to say, because that was the same thing with ataxia, and it's the only thing I can reference, but that doctors misdiagnosed it as this or that or MS or da-da-da-da-da. And so even physicians themselves, as good as they are, don't think rare disease. Yes. It's, it's hard because you tend to think the common diseases first. Because that's just what you need to rule out. And a lot of these rare diseases mimic very similar um, symptom patterns of maybe a more common disease or not a disease at all. And just maybe something's just funky with your body and Mm. not necessarily disease pathology. So sometimes it does take a while, but other times it's just the wait for specialists, the the vague symptoms that might not, if it's not life-threatening, sometimes that takes longer to find a diagnosis. So where's a lot of the research being done? The NIH is driving a lot of it. They have a, a center called NCATS um, that is the Center for Advancing Translational Sciences, and that's where a lot of rare disease research takes place. Mm. Um, but it's kind of wherever patients are finding people willing to invest in their care because patients are driving this whole rare disease treatment protocol. They really are. And like here at the University of Minnesota, there's quite a lot of research in ataxia and other neurological. This is not neurological, is it? Yours? No, it's it's in your collagen, but it, you have collagen almost everywhere in your body. Okay. Okay. Amazing. It's such amazing work that you're doing. When did you start becoming such a voice? I mean, when you were six? No, definitely not. <laughs> I was such a shy kid. I wanted nothing to do with my diagnosis growing up, and it was just something that we just didn't talk about a ton. And I uh, I think my senior year of college at the University of Minnesota, I had gotten stress fractures in my spine, and it kind of changed what my future was going to look like, ability-wise, job-wise, just everything had changed, and I didn't know what to do with it, and I've always been a writer. So I started a blog because I didn't know what else to do. So I was like, might as well turn my private writings into something public to just share with people what I was experiencing. And that's where I slowly started finding my voice, got invited to do some stuff at the Minnesota State Capitol to help with a a rare disease bill here. And then from there, decided to move to the federal level, found the Every Life Foundation, and that was only 2020, and uh, haven't looked back. Awesome. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll wrap it up. Maybe we'll say hello to your dad. It is uh, 7.50 on a Sunday night. Abby Hauser with us in studio talking about rare diseases. It is 7.54 on a Sunday night and we are honored to have Abby Hauser in studio along with her dad, Tom, talking about rare diseases. And you just heard Abby share her story of when it was discovered and the work that she's doing right now to try to advocate for more funding for research to come up with better treatments for people, some 300 million, it's not a small number, that have a rare disease. And, Tom, I just wanted to have you pop on because she's not my daughter, but, man, you have got to be impressed by this. Like, are you sure she's yours, Tom? <laughs> well, we're pretty certain. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm very impressed uh, and proud of Abby and everything she has been able to accomplish. I mean, it's, you know, before she really, uh, a lot of this started to manifest itself. She played varsity lacrosse in high school and cross country and was on the rowing team at the U of M and has run a marathon. I mean, a lot of these things that people who are fully able-bodied uh, can't or wouldn't accomplish uh, or attempt. won't uh, attempt to accomplish. And so it's been 
it's it's just been remarkable to watch her progress. Do you have fear? I mean, are you like, ah, don't do that one. Try something else. How about knitting? Um. (laughs) I do. You know, my most vivid memory was watching her at a lacrosse game at the stadium over at Minnetonka High School, and she had a collision with a player on another team where they both turned in opposite directions and right into each other. Both went down, and I held my breath. But then, like usual, she popped right back up and uh, continued to be awesome. So it was, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I just couldn't be more proud of everything she has been able to accomplish. Her spirit uh, it is just unbreakable. It's really a remarkable thing to see. And something we can all take from, you know, you know what I mean? So you're feeling down about X, Y, Z. Be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for your circumstances because we don't always know what's next. And like you said, because I was asking you, Abby, how do you know when you're going to dislocate a shoulder? How do you know when you're going to get a fracture? You don't really, do you? So you could do all that cool stuff, be fine, and then something else really weird would happen, and then you might. Yeah. I always joke that I'm I'm waiting for the cool injury story because every injury that I've had is in like the most lame way you could think of. But then I do all these other cool things, and I don't get hurt. So, like, I just never know when it's going to happen. So, like, I might as well just do the things that I want and know that it could happen rolling over in bed or, like, maybe it'll happen while I'm running a marathon. And which one would I rather have it happen during? Running a marathon. No, you're not going to do another one, though. I'm done. Yeah. Your dad (laughs) might do five more, but that's fine. I'll leave them to him now. She she came out to the Boston Marathon with me in October of 21. She was my pit crew. So we had a lot of fun on that trip little father-daughter marathon trip. And I should let you know, Abby loves to uh, bring awareness, not just to her disease, but all of the others that, that we've talked about. And Abby, you should tell them the name of your blog so people can oh, read yes. some of the things that she writes, because it's really helpful to know that, especially other people with rare diseases, so they know that they're not alone. Absolutely. Yeah. So my blog is called Owning My Story. Owning My Story. And you can find it and listen to it and reach out. What's the name of the organization people can donate to, the one, the Every Life? Yes, it's called the Every Life Foundation for Rare Diseases. They're great at connecting people. Wonderful. Thank you for coming, both of you. I'm so grateful to have met you. You're just amazing. Thank you for having me. All right. There it is. Abby Hauser with us on News Talk 830-WCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.